Hello, 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 my lovelies, and welcome to episode 46 of Caffeinated Yogi Talks. As always, I am your host, Danielle Collinsworth. Today, we are going to talk a bit about yoga off of the mat. Yes, whenever I say that, I do mean that there is much more to yoga than a cool pose where you're standing on your head or a nice, yummy, deep stretch. And today we are going to cover some of that as I go over the ethical guidelines of yoga, aka some concepts to make you a dope-ass human. So if that is of interest to you, go grab yourself a nice, warm, yummy cup of coffee and let's dive in. Hi there. Welcome to Caffeinated Yogi Talks. I'm your host, Danielle Collinsworth. Here... We will talk about all things yoga, both on and off the mat, fitness, entrepreneurship, this crazy thing called life, and maybe a bit about coffee. So throw on your headphones, grab your favorite cup of gel or tea, if that's your fancy, and let's get chatting. All right, before I dive into today's topic, um, I want to take a moment to give some love to one of the sponsors of this podcast, one that I feel like I have not given enough love to, um, Manduka Yoga Company. So I have had a Manduka mat for, gosh, I guess over almost 10 years, and I've had the same exact mat for almost 10 years. So if you find that you're always going to TJ Maxx and having to buy a $20 mat, if you've done that a handful of times, I highly recommend that you look at investing in Manduka. You get a lifetime warranty, so if you spill something like that nice, warm, yummy cup of joe that I just mentioned a few moments ago, um, you are able to get a new one. They are super comfortable, meaning comfortable to your knees and whenever you take shavasana, um, nice, good and sturdy, sticky enough so that you don't slip around too much. Overall, I'm a huge fan. Uh, Again, Manduka is the company name and you can use on anything from their yoga mats to the clothes, uh, the code Danielle C spelt as my traditional name. I'm sorry, Uh, D-A-N-I-E-L-L-E, the letter C is in cat. Um, that will always save you 10% off on all of the things. So if you're looking for a way to support the pod and if you're looking to uh, get a little schnazzy with your yoga practice, then go check out Manduka. All right, today we are going to talk about the yamas and the niyamas, which are yoga's ethical guidelines laid out in the first two limbs of Patanjali's Eight Limbs of Yoga. The eight limbs are closely related to the Buddhist concept of the eightfold path, if that's something that you're familiar with. For purposes of today's episode, I'm diving into just two of the limbs under the Ashtanga yoga umbrella, again called the Yamas and the Niyamas. The Yamas and the Niyamas constitute ten principles, five Yamas, or ethical principles, and five Niyamas, which would translate to more of observances of self-discipline. They're like a map written to guide you on your life journey. Simply put, the yamas are things not to do, while the niyamas are things to do. Together, they form a moral code of conduct. Now, when I went through and I studied this for the first time ever in teacher training, meaning as I was working to become a yoga teacher, 
I quickly correlated the ideas or principles to follow similar to the Ten Commandments. And that's because a little bit about me, I grew up in uh, the Catholic school system. I went to a private school from pre-K three to 12th grade. Uh, so I studied Catholicism for quite some time. However, now that I have spent almost as much time studying yoga as what I did studying within the Catholic school world, I personally find the ethics and morals behind the yamas and the niyamas to be more approachable to my time on and off the mat. And before you get your panties all bunched up, please note that is my own opinion. And remember that you are entitled to your own opinion, so please take that as you will. I am simply here today to give you some basic info to the yoga ethics. This is like a 101 info sesh, if you will. Or if you were to see like the yoga ethics for dummies, that's what we're doing today. Not that you're a dummy either, just trying to get you to understand that I forever respect your opinion and I hope that you will do the same with mine. With all that being said, let's talk about the 10 principles. Again, there are five yamas or ethical restraints. They are ahimsa, or non-violence, non-harming, satya, truthfulness, asteya, non-sealing, brahmacharya, non-excess, and abhagraha, non-possessiveness. Now there are also five niyamas, or observances of self-discipline. The first niyama is saucha, or purity, and we have santosha, or contentment, tapas, self-discipline. The fourth niyama is svidyaya, or self-study. And lastly, ishraya prahidaha, which is to surrender. Now, the first time that I read through this as a list, just like how I provided it to you, I took everything at face value. So please note, if that is you, that's totally normal. But for today's episode, I'm going to quickly dive into each so that we get a better understanding as to how these ideas can truly relate to your day-to-day life. And I'm simply going to go straight down in order, starting with, yam- starting with the yamas, ending with the niyamas, um, and just give you a little bit of a description as to things that you might find within the ethical guidelines. So again, our first yama is nonviolence. Sure, this correlates to the idea of thou shall not kill. However, what makes the yoga principle different is that within ahimsa, you also want to practice nonviolence to yourself. And I don't just mean thou shall not kill themselves. Within the yamas and the niyamas text, it states that to create a life and a world free of violence, you must first and foremost find your own courage. It continues to state that courage demands our best self and that in order to find that, you have to be in a self that is balanced. The text basically relates the idea of finding balanced first in order to practice nonviolence to yourself, to others, and to then spread it throughout the world. You have to be comfortable or balanced in a way where you can see and respect yourself while also seeing and respecting others, even if the views are not the same. So again, relating to how I started this episode, where I said that, um, please don't take it personally, that the yamas and the niyamas uh, are more relatable to me than what the Ten Commandments are. 
if that, whenever I said those words, if that triggered you in any which way, then I challenge you to maybe read up a little bit more about the first yama. Ahimsa is simply a way for you to understand and respect yourself while understanding and respecting the others without taking any form of violence. Negativity, self-doubt, frustration, all of those things would fall under that category of violence. All right, on to number two, which is truthfulness. I truly love that one of the first concepts highlighted in the text is to be real rather than nice. I Maybe it resonates with me because I've been called a heartless person tons of times, and I'm sure you could probably hear the smile as I say that. I'm not trying to sound like Corella DeVille, but um, hear me out as to why this uh, yama really resonates with me. Basically, take the idea of be real rather than nice with a grain of salt if it doesn't sit with you well. Because it's not just saying that you should be a dickhead. It highlights this idea immediately in the book. And I quote, My biggest fear is that everyone I know will be in the same room at the same time, and I won't know who to be. Now sure, I will assume, or I can assume, that we all act one way with our colleagues and another way with, let's say, your childhood best friend. But overall, this idea goes a little bit deeper than that. This yama challenges you to be as real as possible because at times being nice might mean holding the truth inside that upsets you. And you might then get to a point where you feel like you're at, you're going to combust, you're breaking just because you were being nice. I think of truthfulness as a idea that is always changing as we grow and evolve throughout our lives. Because your opinions and ideas can also certainly change. Being truthful most certainly does not mean taking the easy route. So remember that if you are facing with this truthfulness struggle, it is a change that is hard. Continuing on to non-stealing, which is number three. And this again does not simply mean that you should not go rob a bank. However, I hope it's obvious, please don't go rob a bank, but it gets a little bit deeper than that. Instead, let's relate this concept to yourself, to time, and beyond. With taking a moment to ponder these ideas, affirmations, whatever you like to call them. You should not steal from yourself, meaning don't steal from your own happiness. You should not steal from others. You should not steal from the earth. And you should not steal from your future. Number four of the yamas is non-excess. To be honest, I think this one can be taken the most literally, I guess. Because it really challenges you to apply this idea to non-excess of everything. It's taking the idea of meeting yourself at just enough. I know I talk a ton about food, but I am a nutrition coach and I would love to be able to always relate this to some form of fitness, but to be quite honest, not everybody that listens might run. Not everybody that listens might lift weights. Not everybody that listens might do the physical asana or the practice of yoga, but we all consume food. So it's something that is a common ground and that's why I like to use it a lot. So let's think of this. If you go to an all-you-can-eat restaurant 
And if you go in with the mindset that you need to get your money's worth, you already you are already entering into the establishment with a mindset that's going to set you up for failure. Instead, let your main focus be to enjoy your time and the experience while there. Be happy with filling your plate with exactly what you want. And don't allow others to judge you for what is on your plate. Remember that just because it is on your plate does not mean that you need to eat it all. Or vice versa, just because your plate is now empty does not mean that you're not allowed to eat more. You have to find your own balance. Relating back to Yama numero uno and comparing it now. Next up, or the last Yama, is the idea of non-possessiveness. This relates to the idea of letting go. Because what we possess, therefore possesses us. If you did not listen to last week's episode on business, I highly recommend you check it out because I talk a lot about this idea that we cannot treat work or our business like it's our child, meaning we cannot be possessive over it. If you do, you won't be able to utilize help where it's needed. And you might not be able to take criticism well because you're possessing over your business. All right, so that's everything I have for our yamas. Don't worry, at the end of this episode, I'm going to give a very short recap of each one. But for right now, let's switch over to the niyamas. The first one talks about purity. And it, again, does go into more than the literal term of cleaning or cleansing. But here we do want to relate and welcome that concept to all areas of our lives. Think of it as a way to physically remove some heavy shit. Rather than I'm washing the dirt to be clean, think of it as I am washing the dirt off so that I physically weigh less. This niyama challenges you to be pure with your body, your mind, your actions, and to be honest with really everything. (laughs) Overall, it is the idea of being pure everywhere, which in my opinion, it gets really complex. So some questions to ponder or maybe even pause and journal if you want to would be, can you not be afraid of your own thoughts and emotions? Can you make full and honest contact with this exact moment so that there is nothing lost and that there are no regrets? All right, moving on to contentment. The idea of being calm without seeking calm. I think this is one that we can actually relate very easily to meditation. How many times have you tried to meditate? Or maybe you've stepped onto your yoga mat and the teacher asks you to relax completely, yet you can't stop thinking about your laundry, let alone relaxing your jaw. We have to be okay with relaxing without forcefully trying to relax. If we force the relaxed state, nothing's going to (laughs) happen. You can't push yourself to a relaxed state like, for example, in pigeon. Because if you do, you're going to move to a really intense stretch where your body then tenses up. Where you're doing everything but relaxing while in the pose. 
Within Santosha, we have to be comfortable with ourselves because the idea of looking outward for fulfillment or gratification will potentially disappoint you. Or it could hype you up to where you are not at that balanced state of being okay or of being content. Tapas is up next, which is self-discipline. Now, tapas literally means heat. And I think understanding that basic definition helps to understand this niyama. Here we want to practice self-discipline by willingly going through something that is tough or not easy without complaining. I know we all do this. So let me repeat that again. Here we want to practice self-discipline by willingly going through something that is tough or not easy without complaining. It is your determined effort to hold yourself accountable to then gain your own respect or to become someone of character and strength without expecting anything in return. I feel like I see this all the time now within our, within our society. We do something good and we want to see the, the physical reward. Or I personally hate that within like little kids sports, everybody gets a trophy. I just, I'll never understand that concept. No, give first place, maybe second and third a trophy. The rest of you work harder, damn it. Like be, be okay with the fact that you didn't make it there. Hold enough respect for yourself and be accountable to figure out where you went wrong, right? How can you make yourself stronger or better? Number nine is the idea of self-study. It is about knowing not only your identity, but think of it as like the wrapping paper that entails you, if you will. It's the process of understanding and observing our own thoughts and emotions. Now, remember, there is more than one part of you. So for number nine here, for myself, it's kind of the idea of me realizing I'm not just a yoga teacher. I'm also a dog mom. I'm a smart ass. I'm a soon-to-be wife. A coach. I'm a lover of coffee. And so much more. So I have to practice the process of studying every bit of what makes me, me, to then practice self-study. For me personally, end-of-week reflections have been a game-changer, and I truly hope that I can actually get better at them because I kind of do them (laughs) half-assed. My goal right now is to... uh, be more comfortable with almost like putting it on my calendar, like on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever day I decide to do it, take time to look back at the week at hand and understand your wins and your failures or your strengths and your weaknesses for the week. And there's going to be times when you think you only have one or the other. Specifically because of the society that we live in, we're going to take time to really highlight all of the things that we sucked at and then not realize the things that we did well. Um, I think that a beautiful way to practice self-study is by taking those end-of-week reflections uh, and comparing that to everything from work, time with a loved one, your friendships, etc. All right, and moving into our last niyama, we're going to talk about the process of surrendering. 
this is where the most talk of God or the divine comes up. However, if that is not your jam and the idea of surrendering to another power does not resonate with you, take this idea for a spin. Think of the end of a yoga class whenever we're in Shavasana. You take time to surrender completely, which simply means we want to relax every muscle you can. We want to let the breath move however it needs. And we're going to take time to find as much stillness within the mind as you can. It is kind of like your time to let your body actually understand and interpret what the fuck just happened with the movement on your mat. This is also the process of surrender. It is the idea that we stop fighting life so that we can begin to act in the best version of ourselves. It's a time when you might have to let your ego go because that is what's stopping you from reaching your highest or the best version of you. All right, that is pretty much all I have. But like I said, I want to take a moment to uh, just give a little wrap up. I'm terribly sorry if you can hear my book turning because in the book, Yamas and Niyamas, uh, it goes, it has just this really cool diagram at the end of each. So I'm just going to read from it. So again, I'm going to backtrack to Yamas first. First up, we have nonviolence. This is the process where it turns us from harming self and others to kindness and compassion for self and others. Truthfulness turns us from lies and half-truths to expressing our uniqueness and authenticity. Non-stealing turns us from theft to cultivating new skills and abilities. Non-excess turns us from greed to appreciation and pleasure without excess. Non-possessiveness turns us from attachment to intimacy without possession. Now switching up to the niyamas, first up we have purity, which invites us to cleanse our bodies, our speech, and our thoughts. Contentment invites us to fall in love with our own life. Self-discipline invites us to consciously choose discipline and growth. Self-study invites us to know the self. And last but not least, surrender invites us to pay attention to what life is asking of us. All right, guys. Now, like I said earlier, this is very much a 101 My goal here today was simply to make you stop and go, hmm, or to make you think outside of the box. Maybe even take a moment to reflect and connect these ideas to your own life. However, if you are interested in learning more, please feel free to send me a DM. At Caffeinated Yogi Talks is the straight podcast or at Danielle the Yogi, both of those on Instagram. Also, if you have ever... Uh, considered yoga teacher training, we dive into the yamas and the niyamas like no other. Along with obviously understanding the poses, but also with diving into anatomy and talking about your chakras and the practice of breathing. There's so many things that uh, 
equal your 200 hours of goodness. So I personally here in Virginia will be hosting the next yoga teacher training in January of 2022, which is very crazy to say out loud, 2022. Uh, So if you're ever interested, again, you can contact me directly or you can follow Sky's Limit Yoga Company, which is my yoga company. If you found any and all value here, please, please, please take a screenshot of this episode. Again, share it on Instagram, tag me or tag both the podcast and me. That is simply a way for more humans to know that this podcast exists. That is the reason why I create this free content is to connect to more humans so that hopefully I can work with more people one-on-one how, if, where they might see it fit. Or maybe we just become good at internet friends. That's also totally cool. Again, thank you so much for listening. It truly means the world to me. And until next Tuesday, namaste and slave thing. <laughs>